Is it on? Welcome to the Shant Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. Welcome into the third Shant Show episode of the week. I know that's uh, a rare occurrence and something that, God willing, we never do again. Uh, this has been a, a week of a lot of content, a lot of editing, and a lot of work, but it's all worth it, man. It's all for you guys. It's all for my ego. My ego feels real good right now, uh, putting out three episodes in a week, but welcome in. This is a special episode. We're going over the Birmingham Bowl against the East Carolina Pirates. Again, I'll apologize for my voice. Um Still getting over a cold, so a little bit gravelly, a little bit deeper. Um, I don't know. Maybe you find it sexy. I don't know. We'll find out. But, Josh, I will turn it over to you. These Carolina Pirates come into this game 7-5. and five. Uh, they, they played a lot of good teams in the AAC Tough. What are your initial thoughts on this team? Yeah, first I wanted to say it, it sucks this year, last year around this time, the bowl game was already over, but we were all doing it in person in Florida. We wish we were at one of those bowl games, not the Birmingham Bowl in a in a JV stadium. But once we get past that, it's like East Carolina on paper, a great opponent. I mean, this is a matchup I would have liked to have seen in person. These guys, they're a very good football team. They're a high-powered offense. Their defense is not very good. It's they're a lot, they do a lot of things like we do. And it's going to be a good matchup, but one thing we are is depleted. East Carolina, we were talking in the pregame, they they run a lot of spread routes. They they spread you out, and then they set up their running back. I mean, seven and a half yards of carry, that's all because of what they do in the passing game. They throw the ball almost 40 times a game. They're going to spread you out. You're going to get overextended, and then right when you get used to the passing game, Inside zone for eight yards. I mean, that's what they're going to do. That's how they're going to beat you. They have an experienced quarterback. I've known about Holt Naylor's for years. I've seen him since he took over for Reed Herring back in like 2018. Kid's tough. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes, only five picks on the year. So overall, those are my first impressions. A really tough football team that's going to spread you out and just eat you on the ground too once you're overextended. Jordan, what are your initial thoughts? I mean, Josh hit a lot of the bases. This East Carolina team is averaging 450-ish yards of offense, but they're also giving up about the same. You flip that over to Coastal, and the numbers are almost identical. What kind of matchup is Coastal going to get, and what are your initial uh, impressions of Eastern Carolina? Excuse me, East Carolina. Sorry, I can't. I can't make that mistake that ESPN does all the time that pisses off all their fans. East Carolina, I am sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you pretty much just said it. I mean, they're just they're kind of a splitting image of us this year. You know, they they can put up a lot of points, but at the same time they give up a lot of points on defense. Um, you know, this is going to be pretty much I expect it to be something similar to what it was last year in the Cure Bowl. It's going to be a shootout. Because I feel like our offense is going to be where we can go ahead and score a lot of points, and their offense is going to be just like ours. So they're going to be putting up a lot of points just like we are. And I think it's going to come down to probably the last couple of possessions in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, hopefully our defense can step up, but I just feel like it's going to be another shootout. 
you know, Ayers, their quarterback, he – I saw him last year against South Carolina, and they almost pulled off a, an upset on uh, the Gamecocks in, at home. So, when I look at East Carolina, I look at a, a, a feisty, scrappy group of guys, and they're going to bring a lot of intensity to this game. And I feel like our, our team's going to have to bring that same intensity to this game. A lot is on the line. Another bowl win to bring it to the trophy case. Um, potentially Grace McCall's last game uh, for Coastal. This is kind of like a last dance feel to it. So you got to go out and give it everything you got this game for him. And you know he's going to do that for, for Coastal. But, you know, in a sense, this is going to be probably in line, going to be one of the best bowl games. I think it's going to go down as one of the best bowl games of the year. Um, it's just – it just you got that feel for something. East Carolina and Coastal Carolina, people have been wanting to see this matchup for years, and now we're finally getting to see it. Yeah, these are two schools that a lot of people call for, like, a fixed rivalry game. They haven't played each other very often, if ever, um, but they are schools that are relatively close in distance. They are schools that are on relatively the same path. Now, East Carolina's about 30 years ahead of Coastal Carolina in that growth of becoming a really good Power 5 team, or excuse me, Group of 5 team. They have really nice facilities. They have a really nice program. And every couple of years, they spring a 10, 11, 12 win season on you. And it's hard to deny them from, from a New Year's Six Bowl. And, you know, now with playoff expansion, a playoff t- uh, spot. But this game comes down to a couple of factors. This game comes down to Coastal Carolina's defense standing up to what is going to be an onslaught from East Carolina's passing game. Mario, how do you think this team is going to handle that? I know Chad Staggs is now the interim head coach, but he's also going to be acting defensive coordinator for this game. Are you scared like the rest of us kind of are? Yeah, I'm kind of concerned. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, Josh mentioned how they pass the ball so frequently during games, and then when they don't pass it, they hurt you with Mitchell. And I think Mitchell is going to be the centerpiece around that whole entire offense, to be honest. Even though they pass the ball a lot, I really do think Mitchell is going to be the big factor. And the reason why I say that is because I was looking at a little bit of film from him. I was looking at the game against BYU and Cincinnati and NC State. And I'm going to say this right now. So as good as Josh mentioned the inside zone, as good as, as he is running the inside zone, you better hope he doesn't go around that corner. Because if he goes around that corner, it is deadly for Coastal. This kid is so fast. It's not even funny. But I will say this, going around that corner, it could also help Coastal because there's been plays, too, where he, he tries to go around and the defense swallows him up and gives him a, a loss of yardage. But I am concerned because Coastal has shown that with balanced offenses that can run and pass, it's definitely hurt them in a lot of ways. We've seen it with James Madison. We've seen it with Troy. We've seen it uh, with Old Dominion. We've seen it a lot this, uh, this year. So it really does concern me, but I'm hoping that because this is the final game for Grayson McCall, I'm hoping that because this is the final game for a lot of players and the final game of the season, I'm hoping that they could put together one last rally and they could end up putting a bowl in that trophy case. Yeah, Keaton Mitchell's the running back you're talking about there. Uh, number two, uh, five foot nine, one hundred and eighty four pounds of pure mean. Like he, he's he's going to run you over, 
and he's going to run by you, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And the scariest part is he's probably their third or fourth best offensive weapon. So Coastal's got to cut out for him. I'm super nervous about the passing game. It's been a weakness for Coastal all season. They haven't been able to stop the deep pass, and that's what East Carolina does very, very well. They've also, in the game against Old Dominion, gotten run over and beaten by a team that was totally happy with three yards in a cloud of dust. And then in the second half, it turned into 10, 12, 15, 60 yard runs. East Carolina does both of those very, very well. And Chad Staggs, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Um, can't be trusted to like make an adjustment and stop what's happening and i know he's got the the pressure of being the head coach for this bowl game i know he's got the 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 worry of where am i going to find my next job because it's not at coastal um so so i understand if the team comes out flat footed but josh you had something to add before we move on yeah, a lot of the times this season we've run this this weird like cover two like scheme, but like a cover two drop scheme where we don't really press off the line of scrimmage. And if we run that against East Carolina, they'll put you five wide and they'll make the quick throws. They'll get it out of Holton Naylor's hands quick. And then if they need to, Holton Naylor's can throw that ball 60 yards in the air downfield. Like I know we've said this all season and maybe somebody else is like, hey, I'm Chad, I'm going to help help you out with the defense's game because you don't need to be worried, worried about calling the plays, Andy, whatever like that, whatever it may be. You cannot run cover two drop against East Carolina. We cannot put a guy seven, eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Like we have weapons into Jordan Strong and Lance Boykin. This is their last chance to play here, but they're both going to the NFL after this. Like use them, use them. Like if you've never going to try to use them now, use them. We've got athletic guys like Charles Arnold and Trey picking our athletic linebacker safety hybrid put a man we're gonna have to go man maybe one safety two safety back but blitz let these guys go man to man let them play face up that's what we're gonna have to do or we're gonna let Ailers get in a rhythm and we're going to get absolutely torched yeah if you'll indulge me for just a second I want to get into like football nerddom I think the coverage that helps you here is what's called cover one rat And what that coverage is, is it means everybody is in man coverage except for one safety and your middle linebacker. And that middle linebacker is responsible for the middle of the field, 10 yards deep and in, basically. And he, the safety is responsible for middle of the field, anything deep beyond that. And that coverage works really, really well if you have athletes like Lance Boykin, like Jacob Prochet, like DeJordan Strong. And it allows for you to cover those deep crossing routes that have killed us because if you're getting beat in man coverage by a deep cross, you give a shout to the middle linebacker. He takes off flying with your crosser and you take over his spot covering the middle. So it's, it's a really good system. And I know that's, that's way too much football nerddom from me, but it's a system that Coastal hasn't run all season, and I don't know why. We haven't been in man and coverage. And we have the athletes in, to do it. Yeah, we haven't been in man coverage most of the season. 
it, it, it baffles me when you have two NFL caliber cornerbacks, why we're not doing that. And so I, I think that's the matchup that that will decide this game is is Chad Stagg's willingness to change versus East Carolina's passing attack. Because I don't think it's on our secondary. I don't think it's on our linebackers. It's not, oh, Lance Boykin versus their number one wide receiver. It's Chad Staggs being willing to trust the talent that he has on the field versus East Carolina's offensive coordinator. Simple as that. That's that's the matchup. Jordan, do you have an eye on a specific matchup that you're going to? I would like to see Lance Boykin on their top. And like you guys said, there's really not, they don't really have a top receiver. I mean, they got CJ Johnson and then they got another wide receiver. I, I don't quite remember his name, but I would like to see Lance Boykin on one of those two. Cause Isaiah Winstead is his name. And that's Winstead. the guy that Boykin will probably be on because he's six foot four. Okay. That's what I figured. And I would just like to see that matchup because, you know, it gives it gives us an opportunity to see what he could do against somebody that's really been killing it all year. Um, and you know, at times this year, Lance Boykin has He's had some good games, but he's had some games where we've questioned, you know, his performance against top receivers against other opponents. So that's something I'm looking for. And I would be shocked if um the Jordan Strong is on him. I would I would not want to see that matchup because at that point we're just gonna be seeing him throwing lobs to him. So it just wouldn't be fair to the Jordan Strong. But I would like to see Lance and see what he can do about this because you know, this is his last game. For Coastal, see what he can do about trying to raise his stock up in the NFL draft. But that's a good matchup for me to see. Mario, I turn it to you. Is there a a part of this East Carolina team that you think Coastal can expose? Is there a part of it, whether that be offense or defense, that Coastal Carolina needs to attack in this game? So, Curtis, here's the funny thing. What if I told you there's a part to East Carolina's team that we have no control over but can screw themselves? What if I told you it's not offense or defense, it's special teams? What if I told you it's the kicker for East Carolina? Think about it. I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, some fun facts, okay? The kicker for East Carolina, he's missed two field goals inside the 20, and he's only gone one for three from 40, yard, from 40 yards. Think about that. Now, here's what I'm saying. If Coastal Carolina, suppose they do get into our territory, correct? Suppose Coastal Carolina holds in the fourth down. They got to kick a 40-yard field goal. All of a sudden, East Carolina's kicker hasn't been that great from 40 yards. He ends up missing field goals, and he puts us in a great position, in a great field position for us to go in there and start getting scores on the board. I personally think, I hate to say it, but I think if we put this ball in the kicker's hands, I think Coastal Carolina could come out with a bowl win. And not only that, but I'm going to compare it to the Liberty game when we had Massimo Viscardi kick that field goal and he shanked it. Personally, I could see that being our end result to this bowl game. Is their kicker messing it up? I could be wrong. This kicker could end up having one game where he just starts kicking 50 yarders and 40 yarders and he just racks up points. Or it could be a game where East Carolina keeps on scoring touchdowns and all he's got to worry about is extra points. He's 20 for 20 on extra points, has a missed one. But if we could put this ball into the kicker's hands and say, hey, go kick the win. I like Coastal Carolina's chances of coming out with a bowl win. Yeah, and I don't think it necessarily needs to be kick it for the win. I think if Coastal Carolina can become a bend-don't-break defense, 
which I think they have the capability of doing. I don't think they're a shutdown defense. They're going to hold East Carolina to six points and nothing else. But I think if Coastal Carolina can give up yards, but then lock it down inside their own 40, I'm with you. Their kicker has been terrible all season. If you can force them to kick more field goals, they're going to miss a couple at least, and that's points off the board. And that's that's right. a good recipe for, for Coastal Carolina to walk away with a win. Right, and not only that, I remember from that Liberty Bowl game, we were, it was like fourth down in 11, and I remember saying it. Like, I, lo- I like Massimo Vizcarra. Massimo Vizcarra is my guy, but that year, it wasn't really his year. And I remember specifically, I was like, I seen him bring out the field goal unit, and, I, and I'm fourth and 11, I was saying, go for it. Even though they were on the 30-yard line or whatever, I was saying, go, f- go, for, the, go for the fourth down conversion because I knew – that that field goal was not going to go in. I knew it right before it got even got kicked. If East Carolina is put in that position where they have like a fourth and ten, and they bring out their kicker, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm about to have the same feeling. They they should go for it, but if they don't, then I like our chances of coming out with a bowl win. Yeah. So just Coastal Carolina forcing East Carolina's kicker to step on the field is is almost a victory in and of itself. They prevented a touchdown, and the the kids not that good so um i'm with you mario i I hate that that's one of the matchups that we have to watch but it's a good thing because everywhere else on the field they're really evenly matched josh what's your matchup to watch yeah so i i think that mario just opened up kind of the key to what i expect this game to come down to and with without a kicking game much at all and not to say that we have one because we really don't but our kicker's our kicker's not a weapon, but he's not a huge liability. That's the thing I'll say. Um, but they don't they don't really have one at all, and it's going to come down to the red zone offense. And it does kind of scare me because they have a very good red zone offense. They've scored forty one times in the red zone. Granted, not all of them touchdowns, but most of them because, like you mentioned, they don't have a good kicker. So if we can, but again, that's going to have to mean we're going to tighten the coverage up. It, you run out of space there, and when you run five wide, it, that's where it kind of boils down. They have to run the ball. They're not a power run team. This is running back we've mentioned. He's super quick. He'll run by you. He'll he'll fight for some yards, but he's not a eye formation running down your throat. So if we can bend, don't break, I know we said that, but they're going to get to the red zone. Let me tell you that right now. It's going to be like what NIU did, except they converted almost every scenario. If, if we can – keep them from scoring punching it in in the red zone a couple times three points is not going to kill us and we're gonna have to tighten the cover we're gonna have to play up if we get beat beat deep fine because otherwise they're gonna run a six seven minute drive and do it anyways we're gonna have to get them behind the chains so then we can play deep we're gonna have to pressure them so i think i'm I'm watching the defensive line i know we don't have geiger i know we don't have stewart but we still got athletes shane bruce would like to see him run jamar brown's still there I like trade pick i like to see some safety blitzes like you mentioned if we only run one safety send the one safety around the edge we got to be aggressive so I'm, I'm watching the defensive line they're going to have to step up that's my matchup because if they don't step up we won't have red zone opportunities they're gonna they're gonna kill us That is totally fair, and it's a good segue into our next little segment here, Stats That Matter. Mario, what's a statistical number if Coastal hits X or if they limit East Carolina to Y, they win this game? I'll say this. If you can hold Elijah Mitchell to 
I'm going to say less than – I'm going to go less than 120 because I do believe he's going to have a breakout run. He's going to have some yard runs where he gets 20 yards or whatever. I think personally, I think you need to stop the – I think you need to stop that corner that he goes around. I think you need to stop him right at that corner. You need to run with him, which is really, really hard. But I think if you hold Elijah Mitchell to under 120 yards and no touchdowns, and not only that, but if you can stop one quarterback touchdown, like one quarterback run touchdown, I should say, or rushing touchdown, because when they get to that goal line, they love that RPO. They love using, they love using Aylers and they love using the run to you. So I think if you stop, I think if you prevent basically any rushing touchdowns and you hold the running backs to under 120 yards, I think Colts are going to put themselves in a really good situation. Yeah, uh, Mitchell is currently on a six-game streak where he has at least 100 yards rushing. And in their last game against Temple, he had 222. So I think that's a good start. It's just you're not going to shut that guy down. You're not going to hold him to 10 yards. I'm with you there, Mario. But if you can hold him to under a decent amount, if Coastal can break that six-game streak of 100 yards uh, rushing or more, I think Coastal's got a good shot at this. Josh, what they say about streaks first, right? They're meant to be broken. They're meant to be broken. Let's try to break that streak to uh, come come Birmingham on the 27th. Let's try to break yeah, that absolutely. Josh, I'll turn it to you. What's your stat that matters? Yeah, so I, I'm going to go on a limb here. And mine, mine's kind of high, and it's I'm not going to say it's unattainable, but I guarantee you can bookmark this quote, whatever. Um, if we get three, force three turnovers, we will win the game. That is something East Carolina doesn't do. They're not used to turn the ball over and having to play with the consequences of it. Aylers has only thrown five interceptions all year, but if we can get him to throw one and maybe we get two fumbles or some, I'll count something on special teams like a block. We haven't had that all year. Or even like a punt return touchdown. Let's, three three turnovers, including a punt return, uh, special team score, is going to be my key to the game. And if we get that, we win. And If not, I really don't like our chances in – fighting them drive for drive because I, I I don't have a problem with our offense in this game against their, their defense is terrible too, but I just don't know that we're going to be able to stop their offense too much without turnovers. So that we're going to need big plays from turnovers. Guys are going to have to step up. And again, that goes back to creating pressure. That's going to, that's how we're going to force those. Yeah. It's a lofty statistic to hit. It's a hard statistic to hit, to get three turnovers and special team touchdowns are once in a blue moon. But you're going to need performances like that against East Carolina. This is a good team. I know they're seven and five, but I mean they they're they've been let down by a terrible defense. If their defense was just slightly better, they might be the AAC champions. They might be a really really stunning team. I mean they lost the first game of the season to NC State, and I know NC State fell off towards the end too. But they lost that game by one point. And it's going to take a lot to go Coastal's way to walk out of Birmingham with a bowl win. Jordan, what's your stat that matters? Yeah, Josh kind of, you know, brought it up a little bit in his, but I'm going to say if we can get at least five sacks, and I know that's a tough task, now yours was high, Josh. Oof, a little bit. That might be harder than Josh's. Hey, I said it. I, I I don't think we've hit five sacks all season. Oh uh, well, I feel in, like in a single game, I don't think we've come close. 
well, we're going to have to try to at least get five sacks this game if we're going to have any chance to beat East Carolina because <laughs> the offensive line is pretty darn good. I mean, all we looked at the stats earlier. Uh, Ehlers only has 14 sacks on the year. So this is a pretty good offensive line that our defense line is going up against. But I think that, you know, that was a tall task against Appalachian State as well. We didn't get a lot of – we got a lot of QB hits and a lot of – we got some sacks on um, – Chase Bryce, which is why we won that game against App State. So I think that that's going to be a good recipe for trying to win this game. Our defensive line is going to have to try to get as many sacks and as many hits on on Ailers as we possibly can. And I think we I think we can do it. I mean, we still it's kind of a tall task because we we don't have Josiah Stewart anymore because he he's left and he's he was in the portal. But I think that we have to at least get five. I'll say five sacks or at least 10 to 15 QB hits on on airs. And that's that might be a tall task to ask for, but there's no other way of, of putting it. We've got to try to get pressure on the quarterback. So uh, I will put this in a little bit of perspective. Coastal Carolina has 34 sacks on the season divided by 12 games. That is 2.8. So you're basically asking them to double their sack output in this game. I think that is possible, but I don't think it's likely. And again, I go back to the same thing I said with with Josh's stats that matter. You're going to need Herculean performances. You're going to need something out of the ordinary to make up for the things that are happening within Coastal Carolina's program. You don't have Chadwell anymore. You have a lot of players in the portal that aren't there. This is Grayson McCall's last ride. Willie Lampkin is gone. Josiah Stewart is gone. The momentum for this team is in the dumpster right now. I mean, that Sunbelt championship loss was, uh, not only was it a loss, it was a pathetic loss. And, uh, you know, you're going to need a Herculean performance to, again, get this roller coaster chugging uphill again. And I think it's altogether possible, but, man, you're going to need something special. And that's what leads me to mine. I think you got to limit East Carolina to four red zone attempts or fewer. That's crazy for this offense. This offense is in the red zone all the time. But I think if Coastal Carolina can limit them to four attempts, I'm not even going to say they have to limit them to whatever. Limit them to four attempts in the red zone. If they get four touchdowns out of it, that's fine. That's 28 points that they scored. But then every other point that they scored beyond that had to have been a long play, had to have been a long kick, had to have been something crazy. So I, I think if if we give them four red zone attempts and they convert all four into touchdowns, less than ideal. But I think Coastal Carolina's offense is good enough to overcome those 28 points. Now, if we give up three touchdowns that are 50 yards or longer, point goes out the window. But I think if you limit them to four red zone attempts or less, Coastal Carolina's got a good spot. You know, they've got a good chance to win this game. Let's get into predictions. Josh, what's the final score after everything is all said and done? I, I This is a tough one for me because I could totally see. I don't think there's any chance we blow them out. 
I think if we win, it's going to be very close. And I think there's a definitely a chance that we could, could get it handed to us in this game. Um, with that being said, I just if, if it's not if it's the last time, it's the last time we're going to see Grace McCall in a Coastal Carolina jersey. And I know he and the thing is, he knows it's the last time in New Jersey. There's no speculation about it. He's playing this last game. And I've got to believe that And a lot of these guys are playing their last collegiate game. Multiple guys on defense. I've got to believe that they're going to try and they're going to step it up and that they're going to do it for 10. I mean, I'm going to go. Let's see. Third, 37. 40 in overtime uh we we get a stop on the first drive and they we kick a field goal Cade Hensley maybe you finally get a chance to kick a game-winning field goal um I'm gonna go 37 to 40 I think it's a shootout I think we get some turnovers I don't know if my stat hits but I mean I gotta believe that there's gonna be someone for 10 and pencil him in for if they have his prop out if it's under 300 yards please take it because that's free money this dude's gonna perform we already know that I just got to hope the defense steps up. I'm not worried about the offense at all. They're scoring 30 points easy, but can we hold East Carolina under 40? So I'm going to give it to them. Overtime, though, I think it's close, but I think that's our – you seen that that Doctor Strange in the Marvel movie where he's like, we have one – this was our one chance to win. I, I kind of think it's like that. So overtime win, that's what I'm going to give it. Please prove me right, guys. End, end the season on a good note. Let's get it done. Jordan, final score prediction. You know, I like to take it a little over the top when I do mine. So, <laughs> so pretty much just like Josh said, this is Grayson's last game, a lot of other guys' last game. I feel like they're going to come out on top of this game. I can't see Grayson leaving Teal Nation with a loss. And I just feel like he's going to give it his all. You know, I feel like a lot of players are going to go out and give it their all for this game. So, I'm going to say last year's score at the Cure Ball, I believe it was 47-42. I'm going to say 53-47 shots. I think it's going to be a shootout. And you guys are looking at me weird. Jesus Christ. It's going to be a shootout. I'm telling you guys. It's, it's going to be a shootout. So, gonna Jordan, be you're going down to Vegas right now and over 62? Uh, listen, I'm telling you. They can't stop. They they can't stop a nosebleed, and we can't stop a nosebleed. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a shootout. And if you thought the Cure Bowl last year was was exciting, you're gonna be in for a really good show this year for the Birmingham Bowl. I think Grayson's gonna walk away with the MVP honors, and we're gonna bring another trophy to the trophy case down in uh, Conway. And another thing a lot of people aren't noticing is the weather. It's gonna be 45 degrees that day, and by that night, it's gonna be 25. So it's going to be a cold game. It's going to be a cold game. So I still think we're going to get this dub. And Grayson's going to leave out of here with another ring in his finger, and he's going to go off to another another big school and see if he can win another one for there. So, But Teal Nation is going to win this game. I feel it. Mario, good luck following that up. What's your score prediction? I'll tell you this. I think I'm not only am I confident in the prediction being close that I'm about to make, I'm calm. I'm pretty confident that I know exactly how it's going to go. Just by looking at East Carolina and just by looking at us, it's like the perfect formula for all this to happen. Whoever gets the ball is going to score first. They're going to get a 7 nothing lead. From there, Coastal Carolina is going to get a 20-7 to lead. 
at, by halftime, they're going to blow it. They're going to blow that 20-7 to 7 lead. If they're going to end up getting a couple scores in between. They'll probably get one touchdown. They'll make it 27-20. I think East Carolina will tie it up at 20. I think Coastal will get a late touchdown, make it 27-20. 20. I believe, or something around that. I should say 27-20. But somehow, I should say 20 because the math doesn't add up. But somehow, I feel like East Carolina is going to get 24 points. They're going to get close to 20, I feel like. They're going to get 24 points. It's going to be 27-24. The game's going to be in East Carolina stands. They're going to get in the field goal position, and they're going to have to test that kicker. And let me tell you something. Two things are going to happen. I, I trust either a he's going to be he, uh, Conrad's going to get the game winning field goal, and he's going to and he's going to shank it, and we're going to walk away twenty seven twenty four, Birmingham Bowl champs, or he's going to make it, tie it up twenty seven twenty seven. We go into overtime, and he's going to kick the game winner in overtime, thirty twenty seven East Carolina. I'm going to go more of Coastal Carolina 27-24. I think he's going to shank that kick because he has one game winner against, I want to say, BYU. Yeah, BYU. And he has one game loser against NC State. So he's, it's one for two that I've seen so far with field goals from the games I've seen. But I think he's going to get tested with a game-winning kick. He's either going to make it or miss it. If he makes that game-winning kick, East Carolina is going to win. If he misses it, and that's Coastal's game in, regu- in regular in regulation, in, re- in regular time. I think it's going to be 27-24. I think he's going to miss that kick, and I think Coastal's going to get a barbecue bowl. Well, damn. Um, I feel bad that now i got to go because uh, Jordan predicted 100 We always combined... do this to you, putting you last. Yeah, well, Jordan predicted 100 combined points. Mario predicted damn near every play of the game. And I now have the uh, undignified duty of telling you that Chad Staggs is our fucking head coach. Like, chill. All right? Grayson's going to ball out. Like, that's what's going to happen. We're going to put up points. But, God damn it. Chad Staggs is still in charge of the defense. I'm going 45-30. Yeah, uh, I'll go 45-35 East Carolina. Like, I, I, I just, I think it's too much to overcome the amount of guys in the portal, the amount of guys who don't care, the amount of, like, the roller coaster is just too far down right now for it to climb back up to the other side. It's, that's just where I'm at with it. I, I think a lot of guys have their attention set on next season. And it's it's just where it's at. I think this game is a one-man show with Grayson McCall. And he's not enough to carry the, the teal and bronze to a second consecutive bowl win. It's just not going to happen. Hashtag get Jared Brown the ball 2020. Yeah, really, dude. I mean, just give him the ball every play, every game. Like, every play of this game, just Jared Brown, Grayson McCall, Jared Brown, Grayson McCall, Jared Brown, Grayson McCall. Like, ugh, I don't know. I just want fun, and I think 45-35, even in a loss, is at least fun. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at. But um, I do want to head into a bit of a press conference. Um, My best friend, Hunter. Uh, who has been a notorious troll on our page for a long time, 
for the first time ever, sent in a legitimate question. Uh, he says, uh, with the last two games not going so well, do you think the team will come out fired up or will they be looking towards next season? That's his first question. We'll hit his second one in a minute. Mario, legitimate question. Are too many guys going to be focused on their next season, potentially with another team, next season under Tim Beck, and this game just doesn't matter? Well, if that's what they're doing, and I hate to say it, but they're doing it wrong. Okay, I don't know what you're looking at the future for right now, right? You have a bowl game right in front of your eyes. Now, from recent history, when Coastal has, they have, they recently had a two-game losing streak, but when they've had time off, it seems like they've been, it seems like they've been off as a team. If you remember, unfortunately, we didn't play the uh, the Virginia game. We had a couple weeks off from that, and then we, when we had a couple weeks off, we ended up going to play James Madison, I believe, and then we got absolutely spanked. And then we waited a decent amount of time, I believe, for the bolt for the championship or the Sun Belt Championship game, and we got spanked. There's also been times where we came off a loss, like the game against Old Dominion, and then we waited a couple weeks. We got Marshall, and we had a good game against them. So, me personally, I think being on a two-game losing streak, I think enough time has passed to where Coastal can kind of get over it. As they, that's what they should do. They, enough time has passed to get over that loss. And to, and to think about this one last game of the season. If they're thinking about the future and where to go, and I get the nervous about that, but if that's what they're thinking about right now, then their head's not in the right place. What you should be thinking about right now is getting that Birmingham bowl win. That's what you should be thinking about. So I hope that they come in fired up. I think after two losses, I, I think they're going to say, you know what, I've had enough of this, As at least the players. I'm not sure about the coaches, because again, the coaching staff this year has been atrocious. But as far as the players, I think the players will come in fired up in Birmingham. I think they realize what's at stake, which is a second bowl championship for this Coastal Carolina football team in history. And I hope that they come in fired up, ready to play the game, and I hope that they end up having a great performance. So I do think they will be fired up in this game. So Josh and Jordan. Uh, Jordan, I'll give you a second to think about this. I'll go to Josh first. I'm going to give you guys the same question. It's his second question. Uh, he asks, who is a name that will have a breakout game in the bowl game and will catapult them into a breakout year next year? Uh, kind of similar to what Jaheim Bell did at South Carolina. He had a massive game in that uh, Dukes-Mayo Bowl and then was a really dominant, really good tight end this season in the SEC. Who's a guy that's been flying under the radar for Coastal that could really break out, and then next season you go, oh, yeah, this was his coming out party? Yeah, so – so I, I feel pretty good about this one, especially if he's giving the volume. And I think without Chadwell going down, without Chadwell being there, I don't know what was going on with the reps, but this for me has got to be Brandon Bennett. I mean, this is a guy that has touched the ball like 14 or 15 times since coming back. And he's as fresh as if he hasn't played all year. I mean, this dude has juice and he's poised for such a big season. He's got – he needs next year to go to the NFL. He's got one more push, and he's a guy that loves Coastal. He's – I'm almost 99% sure he's going to stay. So I think Brayden Bennett, fresh legs, fresher than anyone on East Carolina, anyone on our team, he's going to have a breakout game. We're going to rely on him heavily. He's going to make plays in the passing game too. I think he's just going to be huge in this game, win or lose. And, yeah, I think he's going to channel this into being healthy this offseason and then just going absolutely nuclear next year for like 1,500 scrimmage yards. So Braden Bennett is my answer for that. 
for me, I, I, I got two guys, and I feel like it's either going to be Jared Brown because we now know that he's coming back, and Sam Pinkman. Those two got to be the main ones to have a breakout game in order for us to have a chance of even winning this game and even going into next year. Um, <clears throat> you know, Sam Pinkney, we we talked about him a little bit throughout the season, but then there's been times where we haven't really spoke of him. He hasn't really had a marquee big game yet. I think the last time he's had something like that would be something similar to the App State game. Jared Brown, we could say the same thing for him. He hasn't really had a breakout game in a couple of weeks. And I think that one of those two or both of them have to have breakout games going into this game and into next year because without them, we don't have a chance of, of even getting close to being competitive with East Carolina. So I say those two guys for sure. Yeah, those are fair. Um, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring on this question. I'm going to go Tyson Mobley. He's a guy that hasn't gotten the touches, hasn't gotten the attention. And like you said, maybe that's a Chadwell thing. Maybe that's a, you know, something's going on there where Chadwell just didn't trust him or like him. And now that Chadwell's gone, he'll explode in this game. And next season, he'll be the legitimate number two target, uh, you know, on the other side of Sam Pinckney. And he'll be a legitimate threat that draws defenders away from Jared Brown next season. And he'll be a legitimate threat to score himself. I think this could be his coming out party. I think this could lead to great things. And I'm also looking for a tight end to step up. We really haven't had one step up. I'm not going to throw out a specific name, but all season we were looking for Isaiah Likely's replacement. And you're never going to replace a guy that's as talented as Isaiah Likely, but at least do some of the things that Likely did and it never happened. And maybe this is the game where there's a tight end that catches five, six balls and has, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown or two. And Tim Beck goes, you know what? I can use that. And it propels us next season with a guy, another weapon to add to the roster for whatever quarterback ends up starting day one. But with that, I think we'll go ahead. We'll wrap it up there. Follow us on Instagram at Sean show on Twitter at the Sean show. That press conference was a lot of fun. Thanks Hunter for the questions. Um, I would have loved to have had some more on there. We have a lot of Twitter followers. Um, so, you know, interact with us, you know, send us questions, send us, you know, what you're thinking, send us your predictions. What's going on. Uh, what, what's going on in your head? What are you thinking for this game? And uh, we'll be back with a post-game episode after the uh, after the bowl game is over. With that, I think I'll go ahead and end it. Happy holidays to everybody out there. The best Christmas present I'm getting this year. No more Bill Durkin after this game. Coastal Carolina has gifted me everything I've ever asked for. Ah, I'm so excited. As Jordan would say, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Shots up, everybody. We'll see you next time.